Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, all you beautiful Syrupcast listeners. This is a podcast by Mobile Syrup, Canada's largest independent tech website, in which we look back on the week that was in Canadian telecom and tech news. We are recording on March 29th, 2018. This is episode 164. I am Rose Bahar, news and telecom editor at Mobile Syrup, taking over from Igor Bonifacic, who is currently away in South Korea, having the time of his life. Uh, we are also joined by Christine Dobby, telecom reporter for the Globe and Mail, and Emily Jackson, telecom reporter for the Financial Post, which is incredibly exciting. And we're here to talk about um, uh, all the big news in telecom uh, policy and regulatory this past week. So last week, CRTC had the chance to, uh, which is the Canadian telecom regulator, had the chance to open up an entirely new wireless reselling market in Canada by revising its decision on Wi-Fi first MVNOs. But long story short, it did not. Um, Innovation Science and Economic Development Canada previously had told the CRTC to reconsider this prior decision that ended the life of Sugar Mobile, which was offering a Wi-Fi based network that roamed on Rogers Network and sort of created a backdoor MVNO or mobile virtual network operator. Uh, but the CRTC last week reaffirmed that wireless resellers that don't have physical infrastructure and use Wi-Fi as a home network could not allow users to roam permanently on wholesale data purchased from carriers that do have physical infrastructure. So it's a whole thing. Am I missing out on anything there? I was going to say, I'm really glad you explained that because it's a <laughs> bit of a pain to explain. I, yeah, no, I think... I mean, maybe just the fact that the CRTC has also asked them, asked the big carriers to come forth with uh, with low cost plans. That's right. Yeah. So that was the alternative, um, the low cost data only plans, which hopefully will uh, offer something that the lack of competition is is currently not offering to Canadians. Um, and of course, they also lowered the the wholesale uh, wireless right. roaming rates, which kind of, again, throws a bone to the smaller carrier, the smaller operators. So I will go first to you, Emily. Um, were you expecting the CRTC's decision last week? And how do you feel about it? Um, was I expecting it? I think in a way, yes. So this is... Uh, I think it's important to talk about the Sugar Mobile aspect of this decision. Sugar Mobile um, is part of the same company as Ice Wireless, which had a legitimate agreement with Rogers to roam on its networks. And Sugar argued that because Ice had this agreement, Sugar also had this agreement. So I think there's that little bit of like backdoor. They were trying to 
it's seeming it seems like they were trying to pull a fast one on Rogers. I think there's a little bit of that involved in this where the CRTC didn't necessarily want to condone that behavior. And had they just gone forward with this decision full out, they would have sort of condoned these um, MVNOs that are operating without any solid agreements. Right. So it doesn't surprise me. It's also an it's also indicates, I think, that the CRTC is still um, is still going to focus a lot on on wireless companies that do own their own networks. Um, they just hired a new chairman. Uh, the new chairman is Ian Scott. Uh, he comes from industry. Uh, people were waiting to see what kind of decision he would make in a situation like this and whether it would fall to the smaller players or the bigger players. And in this case, it was a win for the bigger players for sure. Yeah. So let's get into that a little bit because I'm so fascinated by, uh, you know, I was so fascinated by JP. J.B. Blaze and now Ian Scott is very, very different uh, type of commissioner. And I just want to talk about what do you think this means for his time at the CRTC? Because this is his first major decision, right? Like this is the first one where he got on a call with journalists and explained his thinking. And it was the big it was a big one. So what do you think um, this means for his time? What does this set the stage for? I think that um, just in terms of the way it was communicated, that he's not looking for the same level of attention that J.P. Blay was. Um, he did, you know, as he said, mentioned that media call instead of like a round of interviews, um, the, just some behind the scenes um, information. That media call was kind of bizarre. It, it, it went on and on and on right at deadline. Um for about maybe half an hour. And um, there was no mute button on the call. Were you on the call, Emily? I think I was actually on an airplane at the time. So I, you know, it sounds like somewhat happily missed it. Yeah, we were (laughs) all looking for you. Like Patricia Valadao, who does media at the CRTC, was like, where's Emily? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we're all missing you. And I I found the news release that day a little bit confusing as well. I was sort of waiting for an answer on the MVNO, the Wi-Fi first MVNOs, right? And I was reading the news release and trying to write something quickly before that call. And I was like, I don't know what the answer is here. And I'm trying to read it over and over. Absolutely. On the call, actually, Ian Scott did a good job of laying out what they had done that day. But it wasn't until like maybe 20 minutes in the call when you asked specifically, are you, does this mean you're not allowing (laughs) Wi-Fi first MVNOs or you're not mandating it? And he said, yes. Um, That was the simple answer. It was, it was interesting. I I don't know exactly what to make about the way everything was communicated. Um, I, he doesn't seem, they, he did acknowledge that affordability is an issue. So um, that's something and that's something that Blay talked a lot about, you know, talked a lot about Canadians and, and that kind of thing. But um, I think that Ian Scott's going to focus very much on what the CRTC's legislation and regulations say. You know, they pointed to the policy direction, and this is getting a bit wonky, but this is from about 12 years ago. The Conservative government passed this policy direction that tells the CRTC to interpret things in line with focusing on encouraging market force market forces in action and encouraging investment in networks. So unless that policy direction changes, I, I think we're sort of seeing that that's how he's going to interpret things. He definitely seems like a by the books kind of guy. And that that was the impression I got as well, that yeah. that's where he's going to go with this. And this decision, it was 
it was a decision that says, no, we're not going to open up the networks. That's the yeah. ultimate takeaway. But it was buried in this talk yeah. of, you know, we want to make things more affordable and therefore the big three must offer data only plans um, that are cheaper than they currently offer. So that was sort of the the true decision was buried under that affordability yeah. lens, I think, because the CRTC wants to be seen as taking some action here. Um, and at the same time, they also want to be seen as protecting the networks. Do you think so? This is the data only plans. Let's talk about what whether you think that's going to be um, actually successful. I mean, of course, we can look back at what is generally considered the very unpopular skinny basic cable plans where people were very excited about the ability to pick and choose their own channels. But it turned out to be more sort of costly than they expect than the public expected. Um, will that be sort of similar? And also, do you think that uh, the Minister of Innovation, uh, Navdeep Baines, was uh, unhappy with that decision? Um, and and what do you, do you think there's tension there? So I'll go to you, Christine. Yeah, I mean, I think for the low-cost plans, um, I think sometimes we're talking at odds in the conversations that we're having around affordability. There's certainly, there's on the one end, there's... Um, a low income bracket and the need for plans to be affordable to people on very fixed incomes. But the real demand and the real complaints, I think, that the Minister of Innovation is hearing are around, um, you know, the mid-level, mid-usage or even high-usage plans and why they're so expensive. And I think, you know, in December when the companies all sort of fought it out over those um, those. 10 gigabyte $60 plans. I was, I'm sure it's burned the brains of anyone who works at one of those companies. <laughs> but I think that really revealed the pent up demand for better prices. And I think people are getting a bit tired of the feeling that they're being taken advantage of. So I think the low cost plans might have a place in the market, but it's not going to address that, that frustration, that frustration that I think the majority of Canadians feel about around wireless prices. Right. But do you think that these low cost data only plans are trying to address um, the market as it stands or people who are not even able to purchase wireless plans? Because I think that was some of what the Minister of Innovation had spoken about before. Some people are actually priced out of the market when it comes to data plans, Emily. I think that you're right. Some people are priced out when it comes to data plans. And I do think there probably is an appetite for um for cheaper data plans. I, I would say, though, and I hate to I hate to uh, sound like I'm arguing on the side of the big three, but there are blanker brands, you know, Public Mobile, um, Lucky Mobile, and uh, Chatter. Chatter. Yeah. The, the flanker brands are starting to offer pretty low-cost plans that on the prepaid side that do include a little bit of data. Some of them offer, say, 500 megabytes of data that slows down hmm. if you go over your limit. So they are, they are starting to offer these. I do think there will be some appetite for these data-only plans. Um, but I, I, I completely agree with Christine. I think the the big frustration um, or the the more um, there's a larger number of people frustrated because they're paying, say, 90 bucks a month for one gigabyte of data. Right. And they're looking at that and saying, whoa, 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 you just gave people 10 gigs for 60 bucks. What's going on here? So I'm not sure. I'm not sure this decision is going to address the the larger and the more vocal problems that people seem to have. 
Right. And it seems like it's been pushed off until 2020. The real decision Mm -hmm. of whether we'll be able to see MVNOs and also just addressing competition in this facilities based, quote unquote, um, competitive market. Yeah, that's I think that's a really good point that this decision wasn't, in fact, a decision. It was a decision to decide later. Like, yeah. And sort of um, I think one of the analysts described it as a carrot and a stick. So the carrot was here. We're not going to do anything bad to the big three right now, but come forth with these proposals on low cost data plans. And if you don't kind of shape up and show us that there's going to be some better prices out out there, then the stick is the um, prospect of mandating MBNOs two years from now. Do you think there's any way that these low cost data only plans will actually be attractive to Canadian consumers? Because I know I've some uh, critics are say, you know, there's no way like if they're losing money in any way or if it's not a, a economically viable prospect, they're going to try to get as few people to sign up for these plans as possible. So do you think that we should be excited for these low cost data only plans? I, feel, I think that some people could make it work for them. You know, Ian Scott on the, that call was mentioning using them in conjunction with with apps that help you find Wi-Fi. Um I think it could be a good option for students. And, you know, I, I personally wouldn't wouldn't be uh, interested in a plan like that. I would, I, I don't know, I'm too addicted to data. Right, because we're thinking, <laughs> oh, it's probably only got a gig or so. Is yeah. that what you're thinking? Yeah, and I'm mm. assuming anyone listening to a mobile syrup podcast probably wants no. more yeah. along the lines of give me that 10 <laughs> yeah. gig for 60 buck plan. Um, that said, you know, I talked to one of my friends this weekend who was so proud of himself because he had just bought a $42 phone. Like wow. literally that was how much the phone cost. <laughs> it looked like it was a throwback to about 2005. Um, what it, brand was it? I couldn't even tell you. He <laughs> got it at Walmart. Um, and <laughs> But for his purposes, he just wants to be able to call, text. Um, it does have capabilities to search the internet, but he didn't get a data plan. Wow. So I'm thinking for people like that who are just saying, look, I... I don't need this, yeah. which perhaps isn't most people. Um, well, it clearly isn't most people. You know, of the 31 million wireless subscribers, the vast majority yeah. are on uh, prepaid, longer, bigger plans. Um, but I think for some people who just say they're going to use a little bit of data, I think there will be a demand for that. Uh, kind of similar to Skinny Basic. I don't think it will be a massive demand, but I do think it could address a tiny fraction. But I think that's why this decision will continue to be problematic because it's not going to quiet down the masses that are calling for more data for right. cheaper. No, it's not really a very like forward looking um, prospect because much like Skinny Basic, you know, with cable sort of being a way of the past, like the youth of today, they only want data. They don't actually care about minutes or texting at all. So um, it's not that the amount of people I feel who would want those kinds of plans is just shrinking. It's only getting smaller. Um, but it will be interesting to see just how many gigs they offer. I'm expecting just a small amount, like two gigs. Maybe. I think even even less. 500 megabytes. He, met, he mentioned on the, the yeah. call, he gave an example of one with 500 megabytes. So. Oh, man, I forgot yeah. that. So Ian Scott did? Yeah, he did. And, and that's, yeah. again, that's in line with what the flanker brands are already offering offering today with their prepaid plans so i mean those options are out there you're you're right to point that out like and i think that the big three are making a 
a very concerted effort to um, raise a bit more awareness about those um, those lower cost options that they that they have put in the market because they want to avoid regulation, right? So they want to look like they're doing whatever they can to to address all segments of the market. Okay, let's turn to facilities-based investment. How do we feel about this? Is this the right strategy for Canada to actually generate competition? Does and that is a tough question. <laughs> I'm just going to pose the question. We're going to rule on it and we can then present that to the CRTC. As an objective reporter, I am. <laughs> I, 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 here, here's the argument, right? So the argument is that Canada is a big country, sparsely populated. If we want awesome cell phone networks in all sorts of places, whether you're in downtown Toronto or you're way up in northern BC or even further up in Nunavut, if we want awesome networks everywhere we go, that's going to cost a lot of money. And in far far out places, there isn't a population to support the business case for that. So that's the argument that these, the big three make that, look, we've invested billions of dollars in these networks. We deserve to make money off of the customers that are using them. Um, The MVNOs or the people that want to ride on these networks say, look, you already built the networks we can use some of that capacity, offer people a competitive product, be able to lower prices. And by the way, we're still going to be paying to use your network. So there are, um, you know, there are arguments for both sides. Um, Obviously, Canada has always taken a facilities-based approach. Um, What I think is, it will be interesting to see if they actually change that. That would be huge, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it will happen. Right, because we've seen uh, in the U.S. and in Europe uh, that these MVNO markets can exist and that the big operators, that's some of the biggest in the world, still invest in their networks, right? Like, I, I, in fact, like people like AT, well, I'm not sure which uh, big ca- major carriers in uh, the U.S. Uh, sell the most MVNOs, but uh, the big carriers in the U.S. are all doing huge things in 5G. And we've got major carriers in, in uh, Europe doing the same. Like, they're all investing in 5G. They're all investing in their network. They, they have to contend with this wireless reselling market. So it is, um, you know, I, I do believe the case that, that the big three make when they say there's no incentive for us or there's little, or the smaller amount of incentive for us to invest in our networks. And would you also say that we have a, a network worth protecting in terms of on the international scale. Yeah, I, I think to be fair, we do have really high quality networks in Canada. We're the fastest in the G8. Um, we're not as fast as countries like South Korea, um, but we, we have good quality networks here, better than the United States. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, I think that if um, they were forced to allow access to MVNOs, they're... they're there probably is an argument to be made that they they might scale back investment in rural areas. I don't think that they're going to not build 5G networks in Toronto or Vancouver or Montreal. I think they're definitely going to do that because they're fighting each other for market share in those in those markets. Um, but yeah, there I think there probably is an argument to be to be made that they might scale back in other areas. It's, yeah, it it's hard be... to prove that that is the decision making that goes on. Um, that's always the threat, but. I think yeah. it would be on the fringes. Yeah. It wouldn't be, like you said, in the big cities, but on the fringe of the networks, they probably would invest less. And yeah. They would focus it more where they can compete the most. And that's probably where the MVNOs would be trying to appeal to customers as well. Right. So 
Um, that That is the threat. Who knows if they would follow through on it, but I, I can't see why they wouldn't. I mean, but to my mind, they're already doing uh, quite, they're not doing uh, very much investment in rural and remote areas. They've, they've, they've historically been lacking in, especially in northern Canada and in some of the more remote, like, locales. So, um, it, you know, they're not, I'm not necessarily, to my mind, offering enough to justify that argument uh, because there are already people struggling with connectivity in yeah. those rural and remote areas. Um does it is it worth it to get um a much cheaper plans because that's what i would see with the the introduction uh, introduction of a new wireless reselling market would be perhaps you know not good quality plans but but plans that are maybe around like 15 dollars 20 dollars like really dirt cheap plans um and again like probably not something that has a ton of data but something that is just super inexpensive do you do you think that like that is a need that we have to address? Like that level of inexpensive plans? I mean, absolutely. Like as a consumer, I would and I'm I think the the massive demand for the uh, 10 gigabyte plans for 60 bucks shows that there is that pent up demand for plans that people perceive as reasonable. Um so I, I have no doubt that if there was super low cost plans, mm -hmm. people would go after them. Um, you, you made a good point earlier about they, they don't advertise their lower, their flanker brands as much, their low cost carriers as much. And I do think they will probably start to do that to avoid regulation because yeah, I think the demand is so clear. Yeah. So another thing that came out of um, the decision last week was also kind of the the lowering of uh, wireless wholesale roaming for the smaller regional operators, which is a win for them. And when I spoke to um, Sugar Mobile's Samar Bichet, he was quite, he honestly seemed quite resigned to the the fact that Wi-Fi first MVNOs were not being mandated and was really focusing on the positive of having to spend less and also get some money back because the, the decision was post dated back to 2015 um, for, for the wireless roaming, wholesale roaming costs. Um, and then this week, uh, just yesterday, we saw a framework for the auction for 600 megahertz, um, which is great low band spectrum that can penetrate buildings and can propagate a long, a long way. Um, so when looking at those two things, um, what do you think about the prospects for these smaller players who are, in fact, facilities-based and are trying to climb their way up the ladder? Yeah, I think it's been a pretty good week for Shaw and Quebecor. Um, they're definitely going to benefit from these things. They're sort of incrementally making making those companies uh, strong. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Stronger and improving the business case for for them um 
And I think, yeah, I think it really does go to the CRGC and and really the government's approach of trying to encourage facilities-based investment. Um, whether it's going to totally change the market or lead to much lower prices, I think is still up in the air. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while in terms yeah. of the actual auction. So that one is going to happen March 2019. Right. And then it takes a long time for the carriers to actually roll it out and for devices to be available that work on those bands of spectrum. Nothing happens quickly <laughs> with that kind of thing. Um, in terms of Shaw, so I don't know. I don't think I've spoken with either of you about this, but Shaw's whole, um, you know, uh, voluntary buyout program and all of that sort of stuff. It yeah. seems to me, at least, that they are focusing really narrowly in on wireless now. And do you think they're in a kind of uh, precarious position considering how long it can take to get new spectrum? And to, do they ha- are they going to be able to upgrade their network to the pace that they need to? Well, I, I think they the government granted them a big win this week with the set-asides. Um, they could be the biggest winners in, um, in this for sure because it will give them the ability to buy this spectrum for a cheaper price than if they were competing on the open market. Um, certainly, they need, to, they need to rush to deploy their spectrum. Uh, Freedom Mobile is now about 1.1 million customers. The big three each have about nine or ten million, so it's it's still just a small player in that sense. But um, they are working to up- upgrade their networks, and they are racing to do that. And it, frankly, that's what they need to do in order to compete against the big three. Because if you have a Freedom Mobile phone, it your network quality is just not going to be as good as if you're on the big three networks. So I I've no, don't know if you guys have noticed. As soon as Shaw came in as this viable competitor. Um, the big three have started advertising their network quality so much. Yeah, I see all the true. billboards are like on Canada's fastest network. Uh, and I think that's it, it's truly to get people. Um, it, it's an attack at Shaw. Shaw is a threat to them, I think. Yeah. So you yeah. think you're, they're scared by Shaw? Well, I think that in any market where there's a viable fourth player, the prices are lower, whether it's Saskatchewan with Saskel, uh, formerly in Manitoba before Bell bought MTS, and in Quebec where Videotron's operating, um, the prices are lower where there's a fourth player. If Shaw can be a fourth player, I think that would lower prices. Yeah, and I think the network quality thing is interesting. It's not something that would usually prompt you to switch from Bell to Telus same network or <laughs> or Bell or Telus to Rogers where the network quality may right now be a bit a bit um less good <laughs> um but it's still it's still a very good network uh but that is definitely that could definitely be a factor in switching away from Freedom Mobile so um I think that's a really good point and and Shaw having the access to cheaper spectrum gives them more flexibility in terms of investing more capital into sending people out to to install new radio equipment on every tower and renting new spaces for to put antennas and and building building up the network quality faster. Uh, Christine, I'm not sure if I got your 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 full views on facilities based investment. Oh gosh, too. we're coming back to that. I'm coming back to it because I want to know your your thoughts on it as well. I mean, it's it's uh, it's hard to have a conclusion on that. I don't I, like read the CRTC submissions, right? There's so there's uh, strong views on on both sides of that matter for sure. And I don't think we have an example of a country in the world that we can point to where things are working perfectly. 
where we can say we should definitely follow this model or I really like Edgy Pie's views. I, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I was like, really? Really? <laughs> Um, I'm not pro net neutrality. No, no, no. Um, no, I think it's interesting. Like, there are no countries where there's a perfect no. example. Certainly not one that's comparable to Canada. Like, right. That's you the look thing. at the yeah. places with the best networks. They're tiny compared yeah. to us and have that's massive true. populations in small areas. Like, and they have better networks. Shocker. Yeah. yeah. And they often ha are home to major telecom companies, telecom infrastructure companies, um, and tech companies. Yeah. Or tech companies. yeah. Uh, which we no longer really have. Yeah. And I mean, and then when you get into the rural issue, I think that that's something that I, I really feel deeply about, that we need to have um, a more coordinated strategy across the whole country. And the government obviously has to be involved. Um, it, it can't be something that these companies are going to do. On, they won't do it on their own. Um, there has to be government involvement. And I think there needs to be more coordination, not just for wireless, but for, for Internet, right, um, to make that happen in this country. I agree, because yeah. right now they've got so many different programs. You yeah, know, they've, they're announcing these investments in satellites, which is great. Yeah, they're announcing and you know the CRTC has its broadband fund, which by the way it's been more than a year and we don't even know how they're going to consider spending True. it. Um, then you've got the Connected Canadians, um, you know, announcing twenty-five million here, forty-five yeah. million here. I think having a, a a bigger strategy that can help bring people online is is huge yeah. yeah it seems very one-off not that there aren't there are many many people across the country doing good things for rural broadband yep. absolutely yeah. but um it really seems to like it's so contingent on where you live like if you live in in this county versus that county maybe you get good internet maybe you don't and um, depends on who your local representatives are and whether there's a, a private company in your area who's willing to be innovative and work with different partners and it's so up in the air, hit or miss, whether you whether you have good connectivity where you live, if you don't live in a city here. Absolutely. Yeah. My parents live in very rural New Brunswick and, uh, you know, they're they're I think they're looking at like five megabits per second download speeds and relying on, uh, you know, ExploreNet. I think yeah. it's ExploreNet versus Seaside where they are. And those are the only two options that they have. Um, but for those for those companies like using uh wireless to the home for for rural areas will be so essential i think so right. that will be something that is interesting to see i mean and there's there's of. physics involved too right like there's they're using towers and then when they sign up customers the the spectrum gets overloaded and yeah. you know there's certain like realities of the, of the way physics work and the way the way networks work Right. I mean, it's Canada is a sparsely populated country, very spread out. There yeah. are real challenges to actually providing the services, telecom services that we have. So I guess that can't really be forgotten as much yeah. as we all like to yell at our various wireless providers. Yeah. And, is, and wait on hold for hours if you could get that deal or refresh the website a hundred times over. Canada's national yeah. pastime. Yeah. Yelling at wireless <laughs> carriers. Shout out to all the um, people working at the call centers. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I should ask you guys, did you manage to get the $60 10 gig plan? I got... Um, with Fido, I got sixty dollar for five gigs. So oh. for some reason, I didn't get the uh, the bonus <laughs> five gigs. But that's it's actually more than what I use. I use a like around three or four. Okay, so and my bill is like 
$30 less a month. It's amazing. I'm very Ooh. happy. Okay. Um, my provider can expect a call because I'm currently, <laughs> I didn't get the deal I and I'm paying either. 70 for five gigs. I also think that if everyone talked about exactly what they're paying for their wireless plans, yeah. then yeah. It, every time someone says something, now I'm like, I'm going to be calling them and saying, It's kind of like I talking about your this. salary, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the open, what are you actually paying for wireless in Canada? It's yeah. such a mystery because, you know, given there's 31 million customers, I think there are a lot of crazy separate yeah. deals depending on yeah. your loyalty and how long you've been with a company and, and your luck and general your luck, luck. Yeah. did you get through during Absolutely. the december deals i think people are often embarrassed to say how much they pay too if they don't have a deal like i don't have any sort of deal right now i play i pay like between 120 dollars and 140 dollars per month because sometimes i go over my data i think i have like three gigs no you wow. could get a way better I deal know, yeah. i know honestly guys <laughs> see and i am the reporter who writes about deals but during the like 60 dollar 10 gig deal um no i have more than three gigs i have like i think i have five but anyway i um during the, the actual time that we were reporting on the 60 dollar 10 gig plans i was so busy like reporting on it and then also like talking about it to other uh, stations and stuff like that that everybody else on my team got the deal except for me that's that's was, too bad I, I i was lucky that i was able to do it through the website so i was just sort of refreshing it while i was working on the story oh, and it was good. almost like research for the story to see if i could yeah, get the deal fair. so you know i did it during work hours i'm not gonna lie it I was that's reasonable i tried to do research. it during work hours yeah. but i was one of those people that couldn't get through the system yeah, so yeah the here really i am bad. yeah foolishly <laughs> overpaying and feeling sad about it <laughs> I know. Yeah. I see. I do feel embarrassed for how much I pay now. I have to go and work on my deal. This weekend, I'm going to call them up and I'm just going to sit on the phone for six hours, I swear. And that's that's what you have to do, right? And that's what I, people, I'm not sure this happens to you, but whenever I say I'm the telecom reporter, people always ask me how to get the best deal. And I always just tell them that they have to dedicate at least two hours of sitting on the phone. Yeah. Really. I'm like, you just um, have to commit. That's yeah. what, that's what JP Blay actually advise people remember he he told people to shop around and to and to call and uh, especially on the skinny basic thing to um to call up your provider and make sure you're getting a deal and then shop around oh by the way our old friend jp is back in government now yeah um public services and procurements or something like that i think adm our assistant (laughs) deputy minister i think okay okay yeah yeah, uh, he always had an assistant deputy yeah. minister role waiting for him mm-hmm. when he was done the CRTC, and yeah. he's back in it. Do you yeah. think he brought his Merlin figurine? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Too. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, we we I think like all journalists probably miss like how interesting he was. He was he was kind of a showman, right? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Ian Scott is like mm-hmm. during um, a hearing. That's yeah. where you kind of see a bit more fireworks because they're actually interacting with the representatives of the companies at that point so that might be interesting yeah. we'll look forward to that that'll yeah, be exciting will. you know i feel like he's gonna be a cool cucumber this is yeah. just my my yeah. guess yeah he was notably cool when everybody was yelling at him on the, the media call that yeah. on because i think a lot of people were being sort of aggressive because the press release was confusing as christine yes. pointed out yeah. we didn't really know the the answer to the question that we all wanted to know and uh 
he was more like sort of amused by <laughs> by the anger of some people. He was like, yeah. well, I guess I didn't explain this clearly enough. Here's what's happening, you silly journalists. Like, yeah, like I said, I think he did a good job himself yeah. of setting it out at the beginning of the call, what, right. what they had done. But the press release had really left a lot of people confused. And if they'd called in late or whatever, there was a lot of confusion. And yeah, the lines didn't mute. So there was just general chaos on the call. Yeah. So. <laughs> It was very confusing. Yeah. There was a long period of time where there was just a, a like muttering on the line. We couldn't hear anything in, else. In French. In French, Which yeah. is, it was a very Canadian call. There was like <laughs> muttering in French for probably 30 seconds that was overtaking everything else on the call. So, yeah. And then some guy was like, there's a lot of talking in French on the line. Please mute. <laughs> um, so you didn't miss much, Emily. Um Okay, to wrap it up, do you guys think that in 2020 we will, we might realistically see the opening up of an MVNO market? <laughs> I think they got, they came close to it last time in 2015, right? They said that there wasn't enough competition in the wholesale market. And um, I think we've been seeing statements from the Competition Bureau as well that are hinting more and more towards there not being enough competition in the even in the retail side of the wireless market. So we have the example of it in our internet market already, right? Um, where there's mandated competition there. So it's, I think it's possible. I do. And I think it's something that the carriers will, the big three carriers will be working hard to avoid over the next couple of years. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, it is good to remember that it is implemented in the internet market. Um, yeah. And again, that's something that they say affects investment at the fringe. Um, so, you know, yes, they're building fiber in downtown Toronto. Are they going to continue that fiber line, extend it a little further outside the city? Maybe not. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think it's possible, given that there is an example in this country of doing that. I think it will hinge on um, whether they can prove that they can lower prices in the next few years, whether or how much of an impact Shaw makes. Um, I think all of those factors will weigh into, um, will weigh into the decision and keep in mind, like if Shaw and Videotron um, and Eastlink do really, really well, um, which Videotron is doing really well in Quebec, they're not going to want people on their network. Right. Either. No. So no. it might go from like the big three to the big five or the yeah, big six 100%. or yeah. what have you, or the, the big three and the slightly less big three. Um, but <laughs> I, I like I, that. Yeah. But I think that for anyone who has invested billions into the networks, um, they're not going to want this. They're and not, no. so I think there could be a larger chorus of people saying, hold up um, right. yeah. when the, the decision comes. Yeah. And we do still have that that policy direction um, to the CRC. So I think if if Baines wants to see some NAFD Baines wants to see something different done, uh, dramatically different, they might have to consider changing that policy direction. That's that's legislated, right? So, and, and that's actually a good point. I the government has promised to um, revamp the telecom and the broadcast yeah. acts, um, and NAFD Baines, I think in in releasing the spectrum decision this week and in his commentary about the MVNO decision last week, he really focused on competition. I would say more so than usual. Um, yeah. Then, you know, he focused on the benefits of increasing competition, which he believes will lead to more affordability. Um, I think 
in the rewriting of the telecom and the broadcast act perhaps that's something the government will consider taking big government action rather than leaving it to the crtc yeah it's almost like it's they they have to consider that at this point if they want the crtc to do something different i was a little bit surprised the crtc didn't do sort of a halfway effort effort on the wi-fi first mvnos because the because the government had basically said we want to see something yeah. on this. I mean, the CRTC was perfectly within its rights not to. Mm. I thought there would be a bit of political pressure on them to do that. I thought so, um, too. But I, they are an arm's length regulator, so the government might have to take its own action if it wants the CRTC to come to a different result. Well, that's a very good point. So kind of balls in your court, federal government. Yeah. Um, I guess with that, we will wrap up our discussion. Um so generally we do shout outs at the end of the show. They can be anything from, you know, your favorite book to a news story from the previous week or this week. Um, I'll start it off. I'll say uh, a shout out, although this is more of a, a, a negative shout out. Um, Dallas and Kudo are raising the price of their connection fee. Uh they're cutting out the SIM card fee, which was $20, and they're, they're raising the connection fee to $30. And uh, what a lot of people are saying online is probably a decision that was made based on, oh, we have to make up the money from the loss of the unlocking fees, um, whether or not that's, that's completely accurate or not. But um, we haven't yet seen whether Bell and Rogers will sort of match that pricing, but uh, there's a little little jump in the pricing going up. And of course, we've seen recently prices going up on internet as well on home phones. So there's been a couple of increases recently. Boo. That's that's my fun shout out. <laughs> Death and taxes and telecom in- <laughs> price increases. <laughs> okay. Uh, Christine? Um, my shout out is the podcast Note to Self. I've been really into that lately. I don't know if you guys listen to it yeah. ever. Um it's uh, sort of about the social side of tech and how sort of devices rule our lives. And I found some, it to be really interesting for some discussions of digital privacy and, yeah, like how devices are affecting our minds in a way. I'm really thinking a lot about how addicted to my phone I am and how short my attention span is now. And I've been thinking about and that a lot ways lately too. To, to limit it. And I I've been trying some meditation, but of course I do it on a meditation app. So I'm like holding my phone as always. So I've been thinking a lot about that lately. And Note to Self has some really interesting discussions around around digital life and your social life, that kind of thing. Speaking of, are you deleting Facebook? I've had it. I've deleted it off my um, my phones for a few months now. And I really like that because I was just opening it for no reason. So I, I sometimes will check it at work or at home. It's a good way to stay in touch with the older people in my life, like the family members. So it's hard to cut it off for that. Um, but I really would like to delete it. Yeah. I'm same. I'm on the fence. Yeah, I don't have it on my phone. Um, I just yeah. check it out at work um, yeah. on a browser just because, you know, that's where all my aunts are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So if I want to talk to my aunt, I don't necessarily have her phone number or her email. <laughs> yeah. But if I go on Facebook, I've got all of the ants on there. And totally. It's amazing. You can talk to everybody. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I for that reason, I'll keep it. But I, I'd say for the past few years, I've definitely scaled back my activity on Facebook. Yeah. Now 
that said, I've scaled up my activity on Instagram, Instagram yeah. which is also you. Facebook. Yep. So they still have me completely. I deleted all of my information about myself this week. Um, just like where I live and what I do and where I work. Um, you know, those things that are just yeah. all filled in. I was just like, you don't need to know this. <laughs> I don't think it makes any difference, but it felt like a mini protest. Yeah. So. I like it. I yeah. like the mini protest. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what that's what we do. Yeah. We try to do conduct. something, yeah. right? Uh, Emily, your shout out of the week? Um, my shout out will be to whichever call center representative has to go with me this weekend <laughs> as I try to get Christine's delightful yes. data plan. Yes. Same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so shout out to the future folks over in the call centers. I will try to be on my best behavior. They're usually quite nice people I too. Yeah. I know. And I always try to be my yeah, best on my too. best yep. behavior. But Same. sometimes, you know, I feel like it's, it's such a terrible thing. Like when someone's on the phone and they're not giving you what you want, yeah. you can just really let your worst self out. And yeah, then anyway. you feel really bad later. No, you, like, because why was I acting like that? It's but, really not. Yeah. It's not on them at all. No. So yeah. Shout out to all the call center folks. Oh I know man, them. shout out yeah. to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having to be on the front lines and uh, sort of be the face of the decisions that the telecoms make. That's not easy. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me this week. It was really, really amazing to have you both on the show. Uh, I think we covered a lot of, of, of the current scene in telecom in Canada. And um, before you go, I would like to ask you, too, where people can find you online. Uh, you can find me, Emily Jackson, on Twitter at, at the Emily Jackson. And you can follow our website, The Financial Post, at financialpost.com. Very similar. Um, online, I'm at Twitter. On Twitter, I'm at uh, Christine Dobby, all one word. And online, we are at theglobemail.com. And I am at Rose Bahar on Twitter, though I am rarely there. And uh, at Mobile Syrup. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. See you next week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.